This audio download is the extended version of the Family Life Today radio program. Your download is made possible by Family Life Legacy Partners. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Thursday edition. We have been wandering through a field full of traps this week on the program because uh, as parents, we need to visit and learn where the traps are so that we can be about our job of leading our children through a, a field of traps that they're going to face as adolescents. Yeah, I thought you were going to the field of dreams there, but, <laughs> you know, adolescence is no field of dreams. It's it's a, a picture, I believe, of a parent uh, walking through this uh, trap-infested field with a teenager having a, a blindfold on and being barefoot, uh, scooting along very closely behind the parent with his hands on the parent's shoulder and the parent guiding him around all these traps because they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Job chapter 18 describes the scene, I think, uh, beautifully. Uh, verse 8, his feet thrust down into a net and he wanders into its mesh. A trap seizes hold by the heel a snare holds him fast. A noose is hidden for him on the ground. A trap lies in his path. And then listen to this summary. Terrors startle him on every side and dog his every step. Calamity is hungry for him. Disaster is ready for him when he falls. Hmm. That's the picture of a teenager moving from childhood through those uh, perilous adolescent years to adulthood and maturity. And it's our responsibility as parents to go ahead of our children and guide them through this process. Barbara, there are too many 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, and 18-year-olds out wandering in that field with the blindfold on and nobody leading them at all. Except the culture. Yeah. And the culture's doing a good job of Mm -hmm. it because they're out there alone or they're out there with a bunch of their buddies, a bunch of their friends, and they're wandering around just looking for direction for anybody to tell them what to do. And that's why they get sucked into these traps all the time. Where are mom and dad? Mom and dad have usually abdicated. They've just pulled back and they've either decided they can't handle this kid or they've decided this is too much and he's just going to do what he's going to do anyway and... I'm just not going to worry about it. And Dennis, that's part of the reason you and Barbara sat down to spend the hours writing this book to call mom and dad back to their post. I think a lot of parents are losing heart in this culture. This is not an easy time to raise a child and especially not an easy time to raise a teenager. The culture doesn't reinforce our standards if we have standards. In fact, the culture is attacking those parents who have standards. And so... Frankly, this is a time to call parents to be courageous, and that's what uh, we attempted to do in this book, kind of put our arms around a parent or a single parent and say, you know what, you can do it with the Scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit, with God as the builder of your home. You know what, you can raise a child to make it through this uh, trap-infested field, and he can make it to maturity and uh, not be maimed or injured for life. As a result, yesterday on the broadcast, we we talked about the trap of sexual immorality, and you encouraged us as parents to raise the standard higher than the uh, current cultural standard. Even within the Christian community, we've set the bar too low, as you see it. That's right. I, I've got a letter here that was uh, passed on to me by 
a grandmother who worked in our ministry here for a number of years. Her name is Pat Orton, and Pat is a dear, wonderful person. But she wrote about how her mother helped draw lines and boundaries around her life. Now, you can tell by the sound of this letter that this is from another era. But I don't think all of what's represented here is a bad era at all. I think we need to return to some of the standards represented in this note that she slipped me. She writes, I remember my mom drawing the line for me when I began to date. She instructed me about how a guy should and should not touch me with his hands. For example, she said to never let a guy place his hand on my knee. (laughs) I see so many dating couples with their hands on each other's knee or with his hand in her back pocket of her jeans, and I always remember my mother's words. Mm -hmm. Because that line was drawn, my husband and I remained pure in our four-year dating relationship before we were married. I can still recall more than 40 years ago the pleasure we both experienced when my husband put his hand on my knee as we drove off on our honeymoon. (laughs) He laughed and said he'd been waiting for four years to do that. (laughs) I love it. I really do love that. She concludes her note by saying, I'm thankful to my mom for helping me draw the line for purity. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that sounds so ancient, so fossilized, but, but it's so sound, healthy, but so pure, so good. So good. <laughs> There's something about the breeze that that letter creates mm-hmm. in our soul to say, would be that our children could say on their honeymoon, I've been waiting for years to do that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a, mm-hmm. a tremendous privilege to deliver your child to their wedding altar with that Purity, that innocence intact, well, I think that's what a parent's assignment is Mm -hmm. as we raise teenagers today. Barbara, we talked yesterday on the broadcast about uh, helping our children understand the warnings from Scripture about issues of sexual immorality. But the truth is the Bible says a lot of things that are very positive about sexual relationships. It just confines them to marriage. We've got Mm -hmm. to be teaching our kids the good things the Bible says as well as the warnings, right? I agree, Bob, and I think we need to help our kids see the good things that God designed for a man and a woman in marriage. And I think we need to help them understand uh, that sex is for intimacy in marriage and that God created it for that. And he created it for pleasure, and it's good, and it's good experienced in marriage. And uh, he he, uh, intended for us as male and female, to enjoy that gift Mm -hmm. that he gave us in marriage. Uh, And he also made it real clear that anything outside of marriage, that that was a sin. So I think as we we paint a picture for our kids of how marriage is good and it's healthy and it's wholesome and sex within marriage is a wonderful thing, it's a wonderful gift, we can build some expectancy and some hope for our kids so that they can have something to look forward to, they can understand what the goal is, uh, they've got a model lived before them uh, between mom and dad, and they and they know that that's something that they're going to want someday, and they'll have more of a motivation to wait, more of a motivation to save themselves because they understand the plan and what God has for them. You know, it feels a little difficult as a parent because it's almost like telling your kids, you know, this particular flavor of ice cream, it's really, really good, but you can't have any now, and you can't have any for a long time, but boy, it's really good 
when you, when you have some. It's almost like you're taunting them. You feel almost cruel. Well, um, but that's the mystery of sex. In our sixth grade Sunday school class, one of the ways we sought to teach this was I would walk up to the front of the class with a paper sack and an electrical cord running out of the paper sack to the wall. And I would ask the children, how many of you believe me when I tell you there's something dangerous inside this paper sack? And they would hold up their hands, and I'd say, now, everybody who held up their hands, stand up. And there would always be one boy who did not believe me (laughs) and who would be seated at that point. Mm -hmm. So I would invite him to come up, and I'd say, now, let me understand this correctly. You didn't believe me when I told you that there was something dangerous in this sack. Is that right? And he's beginning to look at me a bit suspiciously at that point, being 11 or 12 years of age. And I said, okay, you didn't believe me. I want you to stick your hand in the sack. And I whisper in his ear, Young man, as you stick your hand into the paper sack, go in very slowly because what's in there really is dangerous. And at that point, he doesn't want to stick his hand in. <laughs> but his hand goes in, if, even if I force it in, and it comes out like a bolt of lightning mm-hmm. because he has touched something very hot. And what I have inside the sack is a curling iron mm-hmm. that has been sufficiently heated up, and those things get hot. It, it'd fry their hair. And, and, I, and I want our listeners to know, lest they're going to file a lawsuit on behalf of that 11- or 12-year-old, it's, it's – uh, you know, I've never scarred any kids mm-hmm. or hurt them or anything, so don't worry about those kids. But um, I make the point of that young man saying he was given a chance to believe me when I told him that it was, it was dangerous, but he didn't believe me. And so he stuck his hand in, and he learned through experience that he should have trusted my word. I believe God wants us to wait until marriage to experience this area called sex. And he wants us to train our children to do the very same thing in helping them trust that God's word is true, Mm -hmm. that his warnings are healthy, that his encouragements uh, about the healthy side of sex are positive, and to... uh, to not doubt that word and not go against that word, because if they do, they're liable to get burned. Barbara, help us practically here. Uh, as a mom, what did you do with your girls as they were going through pre-adolescence right before they headed in to the teenage years to help shape their convictions in these areas? Well, with all of our girls, I took them away on a little weekend retreat or a, even a one-night retreat and took some tapes and some books and some different things, and just made it a real special getaway for mom and daughter. And we'd go stay in a nice hotel or a little bed and breakfast or something that was fun and out of the ordinary. And we would listen to these tapes and read selected portions out of a book and begin to talk about the whole process of them growing up and becoming a woman and what that meant and all the changes that would that they would go through physically. And then we would also talk about Uh, how they were going to be changing emotionally, how they would change in their perception of boys. And right now they thought, you know, and usually it was around their sixth grade year that I would do this, and they would think that boys were pretty weird and (laughs) not too cool to be around. But so you kind of have to convince them that this really is going to happen. But um, just talk to them about how their interest is going to change and how boys are going to become interested in them and what boys are going to be thinking and what they're going to be thinking in response to that. And just begin to head off. Uh, by some initial preparation, some teaching that's going to help them understand the changes that they're getting ready to go through. Were they paying attention? Were they locked in as you were going through all of this with them? Oh, some t- part of the time, yeah, and part of the time they weren't. But, it, you know, they, I think they appreciated having that one-on-one attention, that one-on-one interaction, and it was kind of an initiation, in a sense, into growing up. 
And uh, they'd seen, especially the younger ones, had seen their older sister go through this, and they knew it was coming for them when they turned 12, that they got to go away on a weekend getaway with mom. And so that kind of made it more special, mm-hmm. and it made them pay attention more because they knew this was this was something that was planned just for them. It probably also gave them an opportunity at any time in the future then to feel like they could come back and talk with mom about any of these subjects because right. you had opened the door. Well, and it gave me an opportunity to say, now, you know what you're feeling. We talked about, and remember, we, we talked about being insecure or feeling the need to have your friends approve of what you're doing or uh, your interest in wanting to attract guys' attention. We talked about those things, remember? So it gives both of you an opportunity to have some common ground that you can refer back to. In your book, you included a list of what materials you used in those weekend getaways. And mm-hmm. at the end of the broadcast, I'm going to let our listeners know how they can get a copy of the book if they want to. Dennis, how about you and the boys? Did you have a similar kind of weekend experience? Well, I uh, I did, but uh, I really found that there are different segments that we go through with our children, whether they be boys or girls, that I certainly have taken our boys through. First of all, it's just the ABCs of sex. It's the birds and the bees. It's the biological facts about sex. And I I honestly believe today that has to be in place by age 10. Hmm. If you've not had that conversation with uh, your child, uh, the world is having it. Somehow, some way, peers, music, mm-hmm. movies, TV, magazines, Internet – all the different forms of media are coming at your kids left and right, and they're hearing uh, some form about sex that's probably degrading, perverted, or, and certainly not, uh, not God's way. But that really leads to an opportunity that, that probably is around ages 10 to 12, and there's a whole bunch of issues that we've talked about uh, with our sons uh, puberty, what that means and what's about to happen to their body, uh, wet dreams, an erection, self-stimulation. Those issues are talked about then. We talk about romance and puppy love. Uh, what, we talk about dating and what's uh, involved in that, uh, about uh, relationships and even some of the principles for dating and some of the boundaries for dating, like only dating Christians, uh, staying away from romance, keeping their physical distance from the opposite sex, and looking for certain qualities in the opposite sex that that uh, need to be present for them to to have a relationship with with a girl, and then having a plan for for going on a date and how that all works because young men don't have the confidence to even know what to do. We talk about virginity and abstinence and innocence and and being blameless and preserving all that until they arrive at their marriage bed. Young Young men need to have that as their goal, just like young ladies do. And then, of course, the important areas of of pornography and movies and and all those things that are appealing to the eyes of young men. Those are very, very important. Later on in adolescence, you double back and you have some additional conversations, Bob, uh, around all of these issues plus uh, the the things that begin to pile up about them dancing music saying no to an aggressive girl who uh, is um, uh, physically coming on to you um, some higher callings about how a young man is to relate to the opposite sex manners all those issues about touching kissing petting and intercourse um, these are all healthy discussions that a father and a son ought to be working through and ought to have almost a, a grocery list, a checklist that he's checking them off and having these discussions with his sons because um, these young men need to hear it first 
and need to hear it second and third and fourth from their fathers, from a Christian perspective. One of the things about the checklist that we have to keep in mind is even after we check it off, all that means is that we've covered it once. That doesn't mean it's done, does it? That's right. And but, but that's been one of the most difficult things about teenagers, Bob, especially if you've got more than one. You can you can begin to assume they got it, mm-hmm. and that's very dangerous. Whether it be with a son or with a daughter, you 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 uh, you need to assume more than likely they didn't get it. Don't nag them, don't harp on them, don't stay on their case, but double back and 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 kind of see if they're hearing and beginning to develop their own convictions. There are a lot of dads who kind of wipe their brow and go, Phew, "That's over." After they've had a mm-hmm. talk with a child, and it's not over until you've revisited the subject a half a dozen more times throughout the teenage years. That's exactly right. Um, Barbara, how about you and the boys? Have you felt a need as a mom to reinforce any particular issues with your sons? Well, I've just been focused on um, trying to reinforce what they've talked about with Dad. But it's been interesting. There have been a couple of occasions with our boys when they were teenagers, when they would go to a a youth group retreat or some other kind of conference, and they would hear a talk about dating or sex or some of those issues. And we had some very interesting discussions when they would come back. And we'd, we, I remember one, we were all – it was Ashley, Benjamin, Samuel, and I. We were all sitting in the in the bedroom, uh, and they were all three telling me what they'd learned at this conference about sex and dating. And we just had this great interaction uh, right there on the spot talking about what they'd learned and and I asked them what they thought about it and you know do you feel like that's right is that something you're going to adopt is that something you want to choose for your own or do you think maybe you want to have a different standard mm-hmm. and we just interacted about all that so there will be those opportunities for moms to validate what dad is teaching and to say you know I, I really am proud of the way you're becoming a young man and you're taking initiative and you're uh, you're becoming, you're you're growing up, and she can do a lot of that kind of validating and appreciating and um, reinforcing what Dad's been saying. And I wouldn't minimize the the mother's role at this point in coming alongside the husband and 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 just laying some reinforcements in the concrete as it's being poured in a young man's heart and soul and his character. A mom can have a powerful impact on a young man in backing up what his father is teaching him. If if dad's not doing the job, Dennis, does mom take the responsibility on herself? Absolutely. But only after, first of all, she's prayed and asked the Lord to uh, motivate her husband and move her husband to action. Number two, after she's talked to him, maybe thirdly, she's written him. And maybe fourth, she's gone to him and even warned him that the biological clock is ticking with his son or with his daughter and that they really need to hear from him. Mm -hmm. She needs to avoid nagging him. But uh, if he doesn't step into action after all those things occur, I think you're you're compelled to step in and quietly and discreetly instruct and educate that son or that daughter and – as you uh, step in there, maybe even be shrewd in how you do it. Maybe prompt them with some questions that uh, they could uh, be sent back to dad to ask that maybe they'll uh, engage their dad in conversation around these issues. Yeah. I would be very careful, though, around undermining uh, your husband as the leader of, of your home with that teenager. I don't think the teen even needs to have any idea that he ought to be or she ought to be hearing this particular talk from uh, uh, his dad at that point. Barbara, were there ever questions that the boys ask you where you thought, gee, I wish Dennis was here. I'd love to be able to send him off to Dennis to answer these. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are times like that because it it would be. I mean, that's that's the uh, one of the benefits of, of being in a in a two parent family because you can punt sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes I like to punt, but but there have been times when our kids have brought up situations or circumstances or questions, and he's not there, and we just plow right on through it mm-hmm. and just go ahead and talk about it because. And the thing that has been interesting is because I can think of a time or two when that's happened. The Lord just gives you courage. Just go ahead and step off in there and start talking to them about the issue, whatever it is, and the Lord gives you the courage to follow through and. And you sort of gain confidence as you go that this is right. I need to be talking to my child about this. Dennis, we've talked about moms and their daughters, dads and their sons, moms and their sons. I know you've had conversations with your daughters. In fact, there was one conversation you had specifically with one of your daughters where you used a water balloon as a as a way to illustrate what you were talking about. Yeah, Rebecca, who is uh, 17 right now, has a, a point of contention with me because she – she wants a royalty off this idea. She thinks <laughs> she thinks she invented this, but that's not how I remember the conversation. Right. We were sitting out in, in a uh, grocery store parking lot waiting for some friends to pick her up for a bunking party, as I recall, and there was a water balloon left over from a big water balloon fight we'd had the weekend before between the parents, us, <laughs> mom and dad, right. and the, the other teens. Yeah. And the water balloon was sitting there, and, and it was one of those moments where we started talking about how far are you going to go and how much of your innocence are you going to uh, to keep and preserve to be able to give to your husband on your wedding night. And I pulled that water balloon out, and I held it up, and I said, Rebecca, it's it's like this water balloon contains all of your innocence. Just a It's just a limited amount. There's only so much. And if you give that that water balloon to a young man, and he takes a pen and he says, you know, I just want a little kiss, just a little smooch. Well, at that point, Rebecca, you give away just a little bit, and he just takes the pen and just ever so slightly puts a little bitty hole in the balloon. Out comes a little drop of water. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong for him to kiss you at that point, but you've just given away your first kiss at that point. And then you decide to maybe kiss a little longer and a little deeper, and the young man doesn't just poke one hole. He pokes several holes in there, and now instead of just a drop of water coming out, there are several drops coming out, and and maybe uh, it begins to uh, squirt out of the the balloon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a pen in the car there, Bob, so I couldn't couldn't illustrate this, but she was catching on, and I said – what could possibly happen now is that you give your innocence away to enough people so that when you arrived at your marriage bed, the balloon would be empty. Hmm. There'd be nothing to give to your husband. And I said, how would that make you feel? She said, really sad. Really sad. And I said, yeah. And I said, your innocence needs to be preserved and protected by you and by us. And that's what your mom and I are doing as we walk through some very dangerous paths and we help you as you relate to the opposite sex. And, you know, that illustration, I've gone back to that and so has Barbara with Rebecca on numerous occasions to talk to her about standing strong and about preserving that which God has entrusted to her. And, you know, the reason I like that illustration is because as parents, I think we're entrusted, in a sense, with protecting that water balloon. Mm-hmm. We've got to go the extra mile to protect and preserve and be the guardians. 
and not just give it away or not just let them go and just let them go their own way, but be courageous and step into a child who maybe is a teen today and maybe you've lost control and it's going to be harder to reel them back in. But you know what? You got to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. Because if you don't, they could ruin their lives. And um, Bob, I, I just want to encourage that parent today who's listening. No matter how many mistakes you've made in the past, and, and we've made many, it's, it may sound like from time to time on this broadcast because we share some of these things that we've done it all right. We have not done it all right. We have made assumptions that our kids have been getting these points and they haven't been getting them. <laughs> and they've, they've missed the point. And we've had to backtrack and go back and reteach. And, and we've had to give our kids grace when they've failed. But you know what? I would rather have fought the fight and have been in there with our children, helping to preserve and guard and protect, than to back out and um, just let them go. That isn't right. God has given us these children, and we are to be their parents all the way through adolescence as they emerge into adulthood. Thanks for listening to Family Life Today. For more downloadable audio programs or other resources, visit our website at familylife.com.